side that we normally have when we have our, our function so that no one will be complaining about a lack of bacon at the hotel, right? Or sausage for that matter. Doggone, I'm not going to complain about that either. All right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. We're getting started really late today, but that's okay. We have some stuff to iron out here. Father, we thank you for this time you've given us to come together as a group. We pray now that you'll bless us, bless the discussion that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We are still on part four of Heaven, What It Is Like. And I, I have this sheet here, and I'll just, use, I'll just use this in the announcements about the Moses Project, about what's needed. So I'll save that for later, and we'll talk about that later. But part four, heaven, what is it like and where is it? Again, this is a more of a way of bolstering your own personal knowledge. If you do not have a handout um, of the part four and five, let me know. I have some that are left over. If you do, please hang on to it till we finish this baby up. And uh, you need it, okay. You look like you need one. And uh, there you go. Sure, no problem. And hand, hand that back to Joanne. Okay. We are discussing ways for you to disciple other people. If questions come up, you can have information and share with them exactly what you need to about what heaven is like. We've had some really good discussion the last few weeks about heaven. We had a great discussion uh, last week also about it when it comes to this thing about Sheol and Hades and, and, and clarified some things last week. I think they were very important as well, too. Um, but let's get back to it. I'm going to pick up. It's the second paragraph. That's kind of where we left off, where we had talked about heaven. In heaven, we're going to know every person and all of them are going to be friends and loved ones to us, just like one big happy family. One big happy family without the drama. Amen. Because, the, I mean, I can say that because, you know, we have family members, but we also know what family can bring sometimes, and sometimes it can bring a lot of drama um, all the time. <laughs> so, but when we're talking about a place where sin is not present, we're going to see a totally different thing. So picking up in the second paragraph on the helpful book on heaven, W.A. Criswell makes the additional point that individual personality survives into eternity. This is where we kind of left off last time, where we're talking about you were created eternally, you are a created being, and you have your own unique personality, which, you know, my personality is different from my wife's personality, okay? We're all different, and so you're created uniquely, and you're going to carry that same personality with you into heaven. There's no reason to change it. We're not going to be like robots, we're all, you know, the same thing, the same being. We're going to have our own individual personalities. Okay. I'll be the same person I am now, only with all the imperfections and limitations of sin finally removed. This is a wonderful thought, that the essence of who we are will remain throughout eternity, yet vastly improved by God's grace. And there's a um, uh, note there where that comes from gives a reference he also says that in heaven we can eat all we want and not get fat. I certainly hope he's right about that, is what's written here. Now, I didn't write that. That's somebody, <laughs> that's somebody else's writing. But uh, the aspect that, um, you know, there's still, we still have to pay attention to that, I guess, when we're here today. We have to watch what we eat. We can't just eat what we want uh, because there will be a penalty for that. Isn't that right, uh, Brother Jim? 
Uh, so he had to eat. <laughs> so he had to eat. He just said, well, he's looking at me. That's why I looked at him and said that. Um, so that's an interesting thought. All right, let's go to the next paragraph. That helps me think about a related question that people sometimes ask. How old will we be in heaven? I once heard a preacher say that we will be all 33 years old because that's approximately how old Jesus was when he died. Of course, there is no scriptural support for that statement. The truth is there won't be any age in heaven in the sense that we speak of age on the earth. And that I believe. If if we're talking about eternity, um, where does age come in, really? Uh, If you're an eternal being and you're in heaven, then age is really not even relevant at that point. Pardon me? There's no, there's no reason to keep time. I mean, that's the whole point. If you're, if, the only reason to keep time is because of the events here on earth. If you want to talk about time and for God's timing and, and those types of things that we're, we're referring to here, and we have, a, we have a reference of it from our own perspective as humans, because we all know that we have a time. We have a time that we're born, time to die. Yeah, that's, a, that's the... Ecclesiastes thing. That's the old song from uh, uh, the association, turn, turn, turn. Time, yes, what? Oh, okay. Okay, thank you. So we have this whole thing about... Okay, so we're referring to this thing about time. Um, We don't know about any age in heaven or a sense of that. Now, again, we don't have anything really to point to to make this. We, we're going to have to find out, aren't we? Because there's nothing biblically we can point to that says that. You know, we make a very conscious effort to have a biblical discussion about matters when we talk you know, during our seminars. Well, this is one of those things that we can just speculate to death, and we really won't know until we get there. Okay. How old would a person be if he didn't know his age? I'm not even sure I can answer that question. Uh, oh, that, that may be, but you know what? That's, that sounds like one of those questions that's loaded with something that's... can't touch that one. Age ain't nothing but a number? Is that what you're saying, brother? Could be. Okay. Also, yeah. You know what? You just made a very interesting statement. You, you probably, no, I don't, think, I don't think he was talking about Alzheimer's. A, a person who has a disease won't know or can't really put their finger on how, because they forget. But that's something, that I don't think he was talking about that. I think he was talking about something else, which I, I think he was trying to make a joke. I'll just leave it, <laughs> just leave it there. All right, so... There won't be any age in heaven since we speak of age on the earth. Growing old is a function of the decaying effects of sin. I will, that, that I do agree with. Did you have your hand up, sir? I did. I'm sorry? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you go back to Genesis. Okay. You, so, you're just asking a hypothetical? Or is that, okay. Okay. 
Well, we know that Adam and Eve did not have a childhood, per se. The way we've all experienced childhood, they were the only ones that we know of that did not have a childhood. They were created as adults. So that's a great point. I don't know what we can do at that point, but <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> I don't think we can do anything with that, but that's a good point. But there was a state of perfection that they lived in prior to the sin or the fall of man. That's something we can agree upon because that's what happened. They both looked at each other. They both knew who they, each other were. They were naked. There was no shame. Now, why would that be incorporated in the discussion if there wasn't going to be something like a fallout later? There had to have been some sort of a, a before and after. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's right. We, God's timing is, is going to be always a mystery to us because we're not God. We don't experience things the way God does. We may have more knowledge, and we will have more knowledge when we leave here and we fellowship with him in heaven. But right now, God's timing is always going to be a mystery because what? We always, we were created as people who want results right away. We want to see healing immediately. If, if even, even the headache pills that we take don't work immediately. They work over time, but yet that's our mentality. We want something done right away. Well, that's not how God operates, and that's not, he has never operated that way. Yeah, we have a microwave mentality. That's a great way of looking at it. And we're impatient about that, is what my wife says, even with a microwave mentality. <laughs> her, her mother would heat, try to heat a liquid in the microwave. This is very interesting. Try to heat soup or heat a liquid in the microwave, and this was part of the after effects of her recovering from her stroke. She was now losing patience. She put the thing in there, push the button, heat it up, and then yank the door open and take the thing out before it was done because she was ready to have it right then and there. So even with a microwave, it was like it was a totally different way of seeing things. I wanted it right away. We are com- That's not God's timing at all, not even close. Okay. Um, growing old is a function of the decaying effects of sin. I do not believe that babies who die in infancy will be babies for eternity, nor do I believe that people who waste away of cancer will appear emaciated in heaven. It will be something else entirely, which I can barely explain and certainly do not understand. I'm glad the author says this, because we really don't know. We have no evidence to be able to point to. We can only look at it logically. If we are removing the effects of sin and decay, then we have to look at it from a standpoint that if, sin, if heaven was out, without sin, and the decaying effects are also removed as well, too. Which means that we may be all the same age, quote-unquote, like we're referring to, and we may have these bodies that, that are at a certain point in our lives. So we, we'll have this certain imagery of who we are, okay? I have no way of knowing that. Because we're still referring to the spirit. And then what does that mean, too? What about those new bodies that we're supposed to be getting? That's the other question, right? What about those new bodies? I mean, is, is Miss Laura going to be 33 years old in her new body? Is that what's going to happen? Or is she going to be what she is today? We don't know. We really don't. Okay. 
In heaven, we will know each other intimately. That's why Peter, James, and John recognized Moses and Elijah, even though they had been dead for hundreds of years on the Mount of Transfiguration. Let's take a look at that passage real quick, and we'll, and we'll explore that. Go to Matthew chapter 17. This is an excellent point. How in the world can you know somebody who's been dead for hundreds of years? And, and remember now, these, these were living people who recognized Moses and Elijah <clears throat> and knew who they were right away. Verse 1, Matthew 17. This is a, this is a fascinating passage. You've got to use your imagination a little bit when you read something like this. Most people, when they read the Bible, this is why we talk about you don't just read it. You kind of study it. You investigate it. Because you can read this and it's like, ah, eh, you know, hey, okay, fine. But you're missing so much when you do that. You're missing a lot. Look at this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And remember, these guys are living people like us. I mean, even Jesus was in his, in his body in the flesh. Verse 2, he was transfigured in front of them, and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. So they can see Moses and Elijah just appear in this Mr. Cloud, and speaking. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I will set up three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And was Peter dreaming? Or was he really experiencing something? But yet he knows who Moses is and who Elijah is. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son. Hold on, I just messed. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Now, when they fell face down, I'm going to challenge you that that sound that they heard was unlike any sound they've ever heard in their lives. When you're hearing the voice of God speak, out loud, and it's this thunderous voice that probably makes you just vibrate when you hear it. You know, like when you go to those uh, IMAX theaters and you hear the, the, the sounds coming out of those speakers and sometimes they just make your, your chair shake or whatever it is, the, the special effects that are taking place? That has to be what they experience. An unearthly sound. But they recognized what the words were and they heard the words. Jesus came up, touched them, and said, Get up, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone about the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So the disciples asked him, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Elijah is coming and will restore everything, he replied. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they didn't recognize him. On the contrary, they did whatever they pleased to him, 
In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had spoken to them about John the Baptist. Remember, the disciples are still experiencing Jesus and who he represents. And the fact that they had this connection now between Jesus, God the Father, Moses and Elijah. They know what they saw. And it was deliberate that Jesus took only those disciples and took them up on the mountain to see. Which I'm not sure we'll ever figure out the reason for that. But we do know that later on when they left there, the other disciples were going to be down there trying to heal this young man who had a demon, but they couldn't do it. So they were still undergoing training and still going through this faith measure, which is something we're actually going to have a discussion about in our seminar. Yes, Ed. Chapter 1? Oh, you mean verse, okay, chapter 17, verse 4. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yes. Mhm. Okay. And I think it's because they felt comfortable. That's why Peter spoke the way he did. And he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Because he knew he was in the presence of, well, first of all, he knew he was in the presence with Jesus, but he saw Moses and Elijah. And Moses and Elijah, everybody knows who they are. The, the author of this the text here says, I don't think they had name tags on. I think there was something about those two men that made Peter, James, and John recognize them, even though they had never seen them before. What do you think that is that made them recognize them and never, they, had no, they had never seen them before? The Holy Spirit? Pardon me? The glow of the Spirit? Well, the fact that Jesus was glowing, that you know, he's in, he was the one who was, uh, went before them. He, he was able to maintain his presence. I think that was, also, that was something that was imagery, imagery as well, too. We need to see this light coming from Jesus Christ. He's the one that was chosen to be the light. And so that was also being projected as well, too. They were on a higher level of consciousness because they went to a high mountain. I'm repeating what you said. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Holy Spirit. Right. That's right. That's the only other option we have, yeah. No. Elijah, there was really nothing there. The only had either the Spirit or the glory 
they heard the names mentioned. That's right. That's all right. They never changed. No. The only one who changed was Jesus. That's right. And then back to the aging, if you have to go to it, but in Psalms 90, it says uh, 70 years to 80 years. And if you take that into account of what it was earlier, people lived 100 years, 900 years. Now the Lord's only talking about. 70 to 80 years. That's right. There's been a big change in this fleshly body. Right. And God never refers to age when it comes to the spirit or soul, only the fleshly body. That's right. Very true. That's exactly right. Our spirit's the same age constantly. Constantly. That's right. Very good. And that's what we were referring to. Like there's, we're not talking about an age up in heaven. We're talking about only age can be counted here. On the flesh. And you're right. Methuselah, 959, whatever it was, 999 years old. That's correct. Yes, I'm sorry. I need you to speak up just a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm coming, coming back. Okay. Okay. Right here, and it says, he said, this is my son, you know, and Jesus came and touched him. Okay. Get up. They said, when they look up, they saw, saw no one except Jesus. So they yeah. They, everybody, yeah, the, Moses and Elijah disappeared. Jesus was apparently back to the way he was before. He wasn't this bright white light. Because remember, they had dropped to the ground, so they didn't see everything that was going on after that. They must have heard the conversation that Jesus was having with Moses and Elijah. We know that because they said, it says in Scripture, there was a conversation that was taking place. And to Gus's point, either they heard Moses and Elijah's name during the conversation or the Spirit gave them that information. That's all we've got. Here's another quick thought. Moses and Elijah showed up before God spoke. Okay. Yeah. They came to, yeah, they came to visit. It was a visit. So, I mean, that's right. Thing for Moses and Elijah to show up. Yep. That's right. That's a good point. Okay. Live. Live. That's right. They can hear him. They heard him. That's right. Paul heard, Paul heard him <laughs> when he was on that road. <laughs> he heard, he heard, you know, it is Jesus. You're, you know, you're the one you're persecuting. That's right. Okay. All right. So we, we have that information. Now, do you think that we are overlooking the importance of the word vision there and we make them that uh, a reality? He spoke there in that particular place. Vision, and he also spoke about it again a few verses down. He's 
saw a vision. He didn't say he saw human beings. No, they're not human beings. We know that Moses and Elijah weren't human beings as we speak about human beings. So this was a vision, I think, when we read that. Okay. But we're, well, I'm looking for that too, to be honest with you. Hold on. <laughs> so. Behold, appeared unto them. Okay. I'm, I don't have, I don't have it as a vision. It may be a translation issue. What, what Bible are you using? King James? ESV says it too? But even if it's a vision, it doesn't mean that it's an apparition or it's a, it doesn't mean that we're looking at it from a standpoint like it's a, it's imagery like a dream. They're not dreaming. Speaking of verse 9, it, it's, yeah, he's talking about, don't tell anyone about the vision, about the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Okay. We have to look at what the vision, the word vision means in the Hebrew. Oh, it disappeared. Hit it again for me. I might have hit something. Was that it? This is where we, this is where we go back to the, I have to handle carefully. Okay. Um, it's used 12 times in the Bible. I, Horama is the, it's spelled with an O-P and then, I can't, the, the Hebrew word, it, it's, well, this is going to be, this is going to be uh, Greek. Uh, this is Greek because it's New Testament. Uh, something gazed at, i.e. a spectacle, especially supernatural sight or vision. But it doesn't mean that it's a dream and it doesn't mean, it's, it's, it does say a supernatural. Used 12 times in the Bible. It's actually used in Matthew 17, 9. It's actually also used in the book of Acts. Um, chapter 7, verse 31. It's actually used often in Acts. Um, Acts chapter 7, verse 31. Acts chapter 9, verse 10, verse 12. Acts chapter 10, verse 3. Well, I, well, I'm, well, you know what? Just go to, uh, just go to Acts chapter 10. You know, I wasn't trying to make you write all these down, but, but the use of it, it's the same word, it's the same Greek word. Sight, yes, exactly. It's a sight, it's something to see. Acts 10.3 says, about three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw a vi- in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius. Staring at him in awe, he said, What is it, Lord? The angel told him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now, that's a supernatural occurrence. We have to look at it for what it is. It's not a dream. It's a supernatural occurrence. And God will speak to us in different ways like this. Certainly, he speaks to us through dreams when we're asleep. But guess what? He also speaks to us when we're awake (laughs) and gives us things. Now, does he do this all the time for us today? Well, probably not as much, no. But clearly it's being done here. We need to see this. They're awake. That's the point. That's exactly right. It's not like they went to bed and got up. Yes. Right. Yes. Correct. 
Correct. Correct. That's right. That's right. It was right then and there. That's right. Exactly right. And that's what we have to look at. That's where we take the word vision. So it's not, we need to make sure that that is understood according to the, to the Greek. Oh, yeah. More than one person, so that's right. That's right. No, absolutely not. Did you see what I saw? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's important. That's that's a great point. Okay, so we 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 now know what this is. Why we mentioned this last week? If you can get a Greek Hebrew reference, it's really important for you to do this. This is about this investigating we're talking about. Because we can hash through this and have a conversation about it and talk about what the original intent us is in the Greek and Hebrew. Really important for you to see because just like we had said before, the English language is limited on how it can portray this stuff. Whereas there's a lot more Greek and Hebrew words to refer to. Okay. And I thank my bride for this. She's actually noting them on her own as well too and writing them down. For Annie. Oh, okay. Well, see, look at that. Annie got you, got you all hooked up with that. Okay. All right. That's why a wife whose husband died when she was young will be able to pick her husband out of a crowd of billions of people, even though she hasn't seen him for 50 years since he died on earth. Now, this is just logic. And this logic is based upon what we read in Matthew chapter 17. So people that we have known from our past, that means the guy that I grew up with who passed away when he was about 17 before he went to college because he drowned, I'll know him and see him, provided he knows the Lord, which I, I think he does. So, and I'll know him and we won't lose a beat. We'll just pick up where we left off. In heaven, she will say, sweetheart, I knew it was you, and he will know her. How can this how this can be, I do not know, but I believe it to be true. In heaven, there will be no strangers. We only can go by what seems to be logical. It's logic. And understand, this is the flaw here is it's based on human logic. But that's all we got. We don't have anything else. We have our own way of reasoning and understanding things. But we can come back and say, if sin is not in heaven, that takes care of the aging and decay process, that removes that process, and we will be all-knowing. Remember what happened when, what was, what was one of the very key things that, that Satan said, the serpent said to Eve before biting the apple? It's not that you're going to surely die, it's that you're going to be all-knowing, you'll have all knowledge. Well, that's true. Because we, you know, we have all, we know what sin is and we know what being good is. We have all knowledge. It was exposing something. And that's exactly why, you know, why is it that, oh, let me find that passage. You got me, you got me again, Brother Beecher. I'm going to blame you for this one. In chapter 3. <laughs> but there's something we need to see. Pardon me? Uh, Genesis. 
Genesis 3. Genesis 3. I'm, I'm finding the passage. Um, start with verse 3. And we're going to... Genesis 3, 3. Now, th- this is something we have to understand to remember... The serpent, Satan, was already a fallen angel. He already had knowledge. That's the first bell. Thank goodness. He already had complete knowledge based upon where he came from. But Adam and Eve did not. So he's saying in verse 3, but about, uh, well, actually Eve was saying, but about the free of the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Verse 4, no, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Remember, they did not know about evil. They were without sin up until that point. So you see what we've been exposed to. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for attaining wisdom. So there was a desire to obtain more wisdom, wanting to know more. That was the temptation. And of course, you have good food, delightful to look at, all the things that are appealing to us, like pretty cars and fancy women and all this stuff. You know, it's, it's good to look at, but it'll get you in trouble. So she took some of its fruit and ate it, and also gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now jump down further. Verse 22. So the, uh, the Lord God said, Since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil... He must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. Now that's important for us to see. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. Now let me tell you something. This is here for our benefit. Because God knew that there was going to be an Adam and Eve falling in the garden to sin. He knew this already. The need for a savior was made present from the very beginning. But you see what I mean about how much we, we know more now than we would have known if we were sinless. And this is a really tough area to talk about because it's really, you're talking about something where How much more do we know now or would we have known or will we know when we get to heaven? Will we be seeing more things? Probably. Yes, go ahead. That's exactly right. We are responsible for what we know now, aren't we? We were not. We now have that responsibility. We do know more because we know more we know that there are consequences to sin. This piece of paper fell. I'm just going to pick this. I don't know who this is. Yes. That's right. Whatever it is. That's right. 
Because we have different personalities, we know that there are different things that appeal to us personally. We, yeah. Men are wired differently than women, so men are going to have certain things that are touch points for them that they need to be conscious of, and ladies, they have, you have your own. Okay? Because you're wired differently. That's correct. Men are physical and women are emotional. That's right. That's pretty universal. That's universal. But add to that now your own personality. Okay? So we got down to the, another a good stopping point <laughs> where it says here, I don't know, but I believe it to be true. In heaven there will be no strangers. So we can look at this and say with a, some certainty that because we are full, we are all knowing, we, we are knowing some things, we, we, we don't, our memories don't go anywhere unless we have a, you know, they'll, and they'll be restored to us. For example, we have Alzheimer's or whatever it is. We'll actually have memory. We'll have memory of things that we experience here because we're created as eternal beings. In other words, it's not going to be you get wiped off. When you die and you forget everything that happened to you before, then you're back up in heaven. No, you're going to have a memory of your life, which is very fascinating in itself. But then you'll have much more that you'll know. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, yeah, well, you got to do. Live in a way that, that, that honors the Lord, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. All right, that's the second bell. That means we can stop. And we're going to pick up next week where it says, what will we do in heaven? And, and move on, which is going to be part of chapter f- uh, part five of this lesson, actually. That's what we will do in heaven. That's where we're going to stop. That's where we're going to start next week. Okay? And we just thank you again for listening and having good discussion. Um, if you're able to get the Greek Hebrew, it's something that, you know, some of you who have smartphones and tablets, it's available as an app um, that you can actually refer to. It's a very uh, simple, I, it's, 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 it was created a long time ago, but if you have any questions about that, ask me or Lynn and we can try and direct you to it. But we highly recommend it. It's really important for you to have that as a, as a point of reference. Um, just to make sure that we're getting the correct interpretation of words. That's really important for proper study. And with that, we're going to close out in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you. We thank you, Lord, for good discussion and the power of the Spirit. We pray that you'll just bless this group, bless the upcoming message and the speaker, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time. I believe that's, that's a free app, isn't it?